Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers now and in the future... You've come to the right place. Let's get started. The buzz today, we're all connected. Oh, you've heard it so many times, but let me tell you what our context is today. Little artificial companions, not like your mother and your father and your best friend, artificial companions. What are they? They're smart watches. Come on, you know you want one if you don't already have one. Smart tattoos, maybe not yet, and smart pills are all getting big hype. Why? Because they promise to help our doctors, our scientists, and and us and people we know who are patients make smarter health-related decisions. That's a tall order. How are they going to do it? Well, they're going to constantly measure, collect, and report on body traits. They're going to keep everybody involved in our healthcare well-informed. And the most important of all, they're going to help us be poised to act faster if an emergency comes up or if just a slight change in, in our health status arises, somebody can make a decision and say, aha, now I see there's a difference in, in Bonnie or in Justin's or in somebody's heart rate or in blood pressure or something even more dramatic than that. However, are these hype? Are these promises? Can the devices actually deliver? If we're pinning a lot of hope on them changing the way we take care of our health, the way our professionals are ready to help us and serve us and treat us, hmm, I don't know. What about us as patients, people you know? Do we really want to be observed? I don't know, like rats in a maze, 24-7 connected to devices. Here's the human side of the equation. Will this technology improve the patient-doctor experience? Come on, you know you're not always so happy with the waiting time and how much time your physician or PA or nurse spends with you. And then let's get to the technology question. Is more data always better data. A lot of questions on the table, and that's why we have invited three experts in this field to join us today. I'm just going to tell you who they are rather than waiting with bated breath. We have Manish Tandon, T-A-N-D-O-N, from Infosys. We have Krishna Kumar from App Orchid, A-P-P-O-R-C-H-I-D, and we have Pineet Supple from SAP. So let's get started. Manish is up first, and Manish has sent me a very interesting quote from John Lennon. Those of you trying to remember his real name, if you can remember back that far. John Lennon, by the way, was born in October 1940 and was assassinated in December 1980, very, very young. It was His name was John Winston Ono Lennon. How did he get the Ono in there? After he married Yoko Ono in 1969, he added Ono to his name. Very, very interesting. Uh, and here's an interesting fact after the fact. In 2002, a BBC poll on the 100 greatest Britons voted voted John Lennon number eight, and in 2008, Rolling Stone ranked him the fifth greatest singer of all time. Just a little factoid. Here's the quote Manish picked. A dream you dream alone is always a, only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Manish Tandon, welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie, for having me on the show. I'm doing well. How are you? 
I'm well. I love the quote from John Lennon. Tell me, Manish, how come you picked this for our topic today? We're talking about little artificial companions, so there was nothing artificial about John Lennon. So what do you think he would say if he was here listening and saying, Manish, you used my quote on a radio show on the Internet? What? So what? what, what is this quote all about? Tell us. Yeah, um, I chose this quote because... Um uh, when I started thinking about this topic, uh, I thought that, uh, you know, this uh, wearable technology incidentally has been around for quite a long time. Uh, think um, things like hearing aids, right? So what mm-hmm. has changed in the last few years? I think uh, what has changed in the last few years is uh, what I call the inevitable march of Moore's Law has uh, made these devices cheaper, um, we can squeeze in a lot of electronics uh, at a price point which is much lower. But most importantly, uh, it has given these devices the ability to communicate, to communicate with us, to communicate with an entire uh, ecosystem that is around us. And hence, um, uh, we can bring the power of the network uh, to our to our um, uh, to our health. And hence, uh, I picked uh, John Lennon's quote because uh, it talks about thinking together, the power of thinking together and the power of ideas uh, that we can go after together instead of uh, being alone. And this connection uh, and connectivity provides that Mm -hmm. framework to do just that. Thank you very much, Manish. We have a lot of questions on the table, as I mentioned in my opening, and we will address them during the show. Pleasure to have you back, and a shout-out to all of your wonderful colleagues at Infosys. Always happy to have you on board. And now let's turn to our second panelist. He is Krishna Kumar, founder and CEO of App Orchid. And Krishna has sent me a quote from someone we have never had on the show before. It's P.G. Wodehouse, or Woodhouse, however you pronounce it. His full name was Sir Pelham Grenville Wodehouse, KBE, not sure what those letters mean. He lived from 1881 to 1975, an English author and one of the most widely read humorists of the 20th century. I didn't even know that. His early novels were mostly about school stories, but then he switched to comic fiction and created regular characters who became very familiar to the public. Let me just read some of these characters. Feather-brained Bertle Wooster and his sagacious valet Jeeves. Come on, who hasn't heard of Jeeves? And we all say in joking, Jeeves, would you get the car? Jeeves, would you help me on with my coat? The butler Jeeves. Uh, The immaculate and loquacious P.S. Smith, the feeble minded Lord Emsworth and the Blandings Castle set, and I'll stop there. Uh, by the way, during and after World War One, Wodehouse, together with Guy Bolton and Jerome Kern, wrote a series of Broadway musical comedies that were part of the development of the American musical and started writing for MGM in Hollywood in the 1930s. So he really got around this guy. Now, here is the quote that Krishna has selected. Oh, dear. When I die, I want to go peacefully like my grandfather did in his sleep, not yelling and screaming like the passengers in his car. Krishna, 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 how can you make me laugh in the middle of a show, a serious show? How are you, Krishna Kumar? What's going on? I'm I'm doing great. Good morning. I love the quote. I read it when you sent it to me, and I said, oh, I've heard this one before. How am I going to get through this with a straight face? So would he be surprised to be included on a show in 2016 about healthcare and apps? What do you think? I am sure he would be. And if you ask me why I picked the quote, there was really no specific reason other than that I found it funny. 
right? But um, I thought about it a bit, and we feel today that in this plethora of data that surrounds us, we are all caught, kind of caught napping at the wheel, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is uh, we're going to be talking about variables, we're going to be talking about the Internet of Things. There is just so much data flooding through the through the system, whether it's watches or whether it's blood pressure monitors that are mobile, there is really a pressing need to try and incorporate what I call as tribal knowledge or the human knowledge or humanizing mm-hmm. this information so we can act on it better, we can detect uh, potential diseases better and faster, get to a doctor faster. So the reason I put this quote in there was because as this data kind of comes in, as we're having this flood of information, we should just mm-hmm. not be caught sleeping at the wheels. I like that. That was really good. That was very, a very masterful, eloquent, eloquent, eloquent and elegant segue, Krishna. Uh, Krishna, I really appreciate that. By the way, uh, how is everything at App Orchid? We haven't talked in a while. Things are great. And uh, the last uh, radio show was very well received. And also right. another reason why I picked a somewhat light coat was because last time around the coat was very heavy and the feedback that I got was, boy, that was too <laughs> morbid to start a radio show. <laughs> this time I thought I'd start with something simpler. And, and you know something, the quote, quote you read is actually about morbidity and mortality, but it's said in such a lighthearted tone that we're just going to give you a pass on this one. So thank you very much. Very appreciated. And I learned a lot reading the source of the quote. So thank you. And now third up on the panel is another re- regular, I should call him, repeat guest, very frequent guest on all of our Game Changers shows. It's Puneet Suppal, S-U-P-P-A-L, if you want to look him up. He's on SAP's IoT and Innovation team. And Puneet has picked a movie quote. We love movie quotes. And the quote is from Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back. Those of you shacking your he- sh- scratching your head, I get all tongue twisted on this one. Yoda is a fictional character in the Star Wars space opera franchise. I didn't know it was an opera. Created by George Lucas, first appearing in the 1980 film The Empire Strikes Back. In the original films, Yoda trains Luke Skywalker to fight against the Galactic Empire. In the prequels, he is the Grand Master Master of the Jedi Order and a high-ranking general of clone troopers in the Clone Wars. OMG! By the way, uh, a little trivia here, Panit. I don't know if you know this, but Yoda was portrayed by uh, Frank Oz, the puppeteer, by Deep Roy, by Warwick Davis, Eric Jacobson again, and John Lithgow was one of the voiceovers. The actor John Lithgow was Yoda's voice in The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi radio dramas. Very interesting. Okay, here it is. The quote, that is why you fail. Panit Supple, we're going to succeed. We're not going to fail. How are you, Panit? I am doing really well, and thank you for the introduction. And I knew there were many artists behind it. I didn't know all the names, so that was uh, educational. Thank you very much. You're welcome, and thank you. So why a quote from Yoda? That is why you fail on a show about we're trying not to fail. So tell me. Well, very simply because for the last few months, I've been in this whole Star Wars frame of mind ever since the, you know, the, all the build-up before the release of yes. what was being called Episode 7. And yes. by the way, I want to go on the record to say that I think the prequels were a disservice to the franchise. Having said that, let's not talk about that. We will stick with... (laughs) (laughs) Well, but wait a minute, wait a minute. How did you like the new one? Did you like the The new new one? The new one was a worthy successor to the real three ones. (laughs) 
that I agree. Been, I loved. I I didn't see the all the in between, and I just loved the recent one. I thought it had everything. I thought it was great. Right. Edge of my it, seat, and I recommend it. Yeah, it it went back to sort of the you know the original flavor, if you will, and of mm-hmm. course, The Empire Strikes Back was an important one, and. You know, so the reason why I picked this is because it comes from a, a, a scene in the movie where Luke has given up trying to pull an X-wing from the Dagobah swamp, and he turns around and he says, "I mean, he just looks very helpless." And of course, Yoda, the great master, can pull it out just you know by the, the use of his powers. And uh, when it comes out, he says, "You know," Luke turns around and says. I can't believe it. And he says, that is why you fail. And I think mm. this is important to us today, where we are in, the, in, in, in our world, in our ecosystem, if you will, because technology has come, brought us to a point where the only thing that will keep us from succeeding in some of the things we are talking about today and some of the things we will be talking about in months ahead is if we stop believing. And I think mm. that that is an important thing because many a time we judge every uh, outcome based on a very, very rigid uh, scale. Either it is a certain technological uh, achievement or it is a fiscal uh, point that will make or break the, the story, if you will. But if we believe we are at a point where we can actually make a difference, make a change, and it especially applies in today's discussion because we're going to talk about wearables, which is very, very closely tied to the well-being of all of us. And if we believe that the human society is going to prosper and do better and be more healthy and all of those things, we have to believe that we, that, that we have the technology to make it happen. So that's why. Thank you, Panit. And you just mentioned a song lyric. I just looked it up because I couldn't remember. You said, don't stop believing. I'm not going to burst out into song, Panit. Don't worry. You don't have to oh, take your, move your phone. <laughs> no, but it's by Journey. You know that. Yes. Don't stop believing. Yeah, just a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going anywhere. Just a city boy born and raised in South Detroit. He took the midnight train going anywhere. And I'm not going to read the rest of the lyrics, and I promise I won't sing it. Thank you, Panit. A lot of good references in there. We're very, very very, uh, we're very cultural today. So let me circle back to Manish Tendon at Emphasis. Manish, you know the question I'm going to ask you next. We'd like to know, well, we know who you are. You've been on several times. We'd like to know what you're drinking today, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup, or what are you planning to drink after the show? Yes, I'm in um, Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Um, it's um, a bit cold considering mm-hmm. um, how nice the winter has been. Um, and uh, in my cup, um, I have uh, what we call the South Indian coffee. And if you want to order it um, uh, in any coffee shop here, you ask for uh, dopio with a hint of breve. Dopio is basically double espresso, and uh, breve is uh, warm milk. So that's mm. what uh, is in my cup. Uh, it's a pretty strong uh, coffee. Um, as you uh, as you might imagine, it's uh, double espresso. Oh, that sounds good. And do you put anything else in it, or is that it? Just just the warm milk? Uh, you you can put in a, a little bit of uh, sweetener, um, sugar, or uh, some sort of a sweetener. Uh, that's how you originally have it in uh, the southern part of India. 
Very nice. Thank you very much. Always interested to learn about how other people, how people around the world drink their beverage. Thank you very much, Manish. And let's turn to Krishna Kumar. Where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? I am from uh, Fremont, California, and it's always a Starbucks cappuccino for me. I have to start my morning with a tall or a grande, depending on how stressed I am for the previous day. (laughs) And today I'm not so much stressed, so it is my tall cappuccino. You know, I thank you for that. I just heard a blurb on the radio that somebody is suing uh, the, the, the company you just mentioned because they say that there uh, the ounces that are supposed to be in certain types of certain sizes of cups are not being delivered, and the company has retorted or rebutted and said, "No, we always tell customers there may be a variation in the volume of the liquid that goes in the cup." Are you uh, you ever have a problem with how much they pour for you, Krishna? I don't. It's always the the number of molecules of caffeine that makes a difference for me. (laughs) As long as that's a standard, I'm fine. We have a purist on the line. I like that a lot. You are very fair-minded, my friend. Very, very good good rebuttal. I loved it. They're going to love you, too. Paneet, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking, or what are you thinking about drinking? Well, I am in San Jose, California. It's beautiful outside. And hopefully it won't rain, and um, at least not till I uh, get out and drive uh, to the office. And I'm at home today doing the show from there, and I am having my favorite brew of the morning, which is black tea infused with some fresh ginger, which Mm. always helps me keep the throat clear so there are no frogs hopping around. (laughs) <laughs> You're talking about me. I had some frogs when we were starting the show, and they're all gone. So there you go. But ginger sounds delicious. Thank you very much to all three of you. We have a very interesting topic here. By the way, this is Future of the Future with Game Changers, one of our newer, newest series. Uh, we're getting ready to launch two more series in May, so there's a lot going on at Game Changers Radio. Today we're talking about our special topic. Let me circle down here to the bottom of all these wonderful quotes. My panelists sent me, our topic is connected care. Can wearable technology improve your health? Whether you're already using wearables, whether you know somebody who is, this is important. an important topic. We're talking about the data that's collected. Do we as people who may, may or may not presently or in the future become patients want to be observed that much? What are our healthcare professionals going to do? Will it make them smarter and more ready to help us when we have a crisis or our healthcare changes just a little bit? and it needs to be tweaked a little bit. Will the doctor-patient experience be improved? Will the devices, will the smart pills, and we have to ask somebody after the break to talk about a smart tattoo. I have no clue about that one. Will they deliver on their promise? Is this just hype? Are we all getting all excited about nothing? Well, we're going to find out when we come back after the break, so you know the deal. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back after the break. Justin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. An unprecedented pace of change, driven by exciting technology advances like the Internet of Things, is disrupting your industry and every other industry around the globe. Your future business success will be influenced by your ability to understand and harness these innovations and many more. 
mobile devices instantaneously connecting the world populations, robotics, 3D printing, and self-driving cars, the sharing economy and ubiquitous global business networks. Reality Check, the future is happening right now. Join us for insights from industry experts on what it all means for your business and your daily life. The Future of the Future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of the future with Game Changers. I like that guy. He says all the right stuff. Yes, we are tweeting. A lot of tweets going on. As a matter of fact, Panit Suppel is tweeting while he's talking. That's a talent. We have somebody from SAP, C-U-S-T-I-N-N-O-V, and they are tweeting App Orchid. Krishna Kumar's company is also tweeting at A-P-P-O-R-C-H-I-D. I know we've had some tweets from Emphasis, uh, Manish Tendon's company. So uh, very happy to have everybody here joining me at hashtag SAP Radio. Our topic today can Connected care. Is it going to deliver on the promise? What does it mean to you and me and everyone we know? Is big data, too much data, is the right data being collected, and what do we want to do with it? Let's start the roundtable with Manish at Infosys. Manish, I'm looking at your notes, and here's something interesting. Let's talk about the key drivers of connected care, which is really the the key, pardon the uh, double entendre, the key to our topic today. You say, one of the key factors necessitating the evolution of connected care, and I want you to explain that is accountable care, which requires physicians and healthcare providers to offer the best course of treatment and reduce the number of times the patient has to visit for the same ailment. Manish, what a concept. OMG, what a concept. Talk to me. What is this accountable care and why did it necessitate the evolution of connected care? Talk to us. Yeah, one of the core of the problem um, is the escalating uh, healthcare costs. Um, across the world. Um, we spend about $7 trillion every year in public and private healthcare spending across the globe. And uh, it is growing at about 7% uh, every year. And you benchmark it against inflation, which is uh, which uh, all the uh, bankers want it to be at least 2%, and it is uh, nearly zero. And you see uh, the magnitude of the problem that we are uh, trying to tackle. The second thing that uh, we need to understand that at least in the developed economies uh, where most of this healthcare spending is, the bulk of the spending is um, actually related to what is known as lifestyle, uh, lifestyle diseases, which is um, you know high blood pressure. Uh, um, cholesterol and so on, mm-hmm. which are there because of uh, you know lack of exercise or lack of uh, uh, lack of eating right, etc. And that's where um, these personal wellness devices. Um, actually, these devices are of two types. One is uh, the personal wellness devices, uh, which are the smart watches and Fitbit, fitness bands, and so on. 
that is where um, uh, these things can really help in bringing these costs down because um, um, you are involving the consumer directly in his or her healthcare on a continuous basis. It's it's a top of mind topic. Um, for the individual who's wearing uh, these bands. So uh, the idea is that uh, these will uh, help reduce these life cycle de- uh, lifestyle diseases and hence bring down uh, the cost of healthcare. On the other hand, um, you have devices uh, which I call uh, medical-grade uh, devices uh, like insulin pumps, pacemakers, and so on. And um, the power of connectivity uh, gives them certain features which uh, makes, uh, which helps in reducing uh, uh, these costs. For example, uh, one of the major issues of readmission or causes of readmission is um, the fact that people are not complying to their uh, medication. Right. So uh, with these connected devices, um, it is easy to send them warnings, to give them a message saying, hey, you have not eaten your um, uh, your food at the right time, and you have, hey, you have not had your insulin um, mm-hmm. uh, injection at the right time, or you have not uh, had your pill at the right time. And just by introducing um, a better patient adherence to medication, uh, the cost can come down. And of course, uh, it brings in a newer technologies like telemedicine and so on, where you don't have to run to um, the emergency care every time uh, your uh, little kid sneezes at 2 a.m. Uh, mm-hmm. You can dial up a doctor or a, or a nurse and, and get some quick advice uh, right away. So I think uh, I'm very excited about uh, uh, the potential of these uh, these devices um, to really give a better experience um, to the people using them and also bring down the costs uh, significantly. Thank you very much. Krishna Kumar, love to have your POV on what Manish just introduced to us. Go ahead, Krishna. Yeah, and that, what what Manish said is is, is um, super relevant, and I really like the way he he classified the different genres of devices, right? So he called them lifestyle devices, medical grid devices. I mean, if you really look at the Internet of Things, the medical community has been in the Internet Internet of Things for the longest possible time. May not mm-hmm. be the Internet part of Internet of Things, but the Things part of the Internet of Things for sure, right? We're talking about electrocardiograms and ultrasound. I mean, there is just so much electronics in the medical world that, uh, you know, it kind of begs the question, why did it take so long for, for the hype to kick in? Why are we just talking about IoT now, right? Connectivity has existed for a long time, so it, was, it just behooves these systems to be wired to the Internet backbone. But what has really changed, and I look at this whole IoT paradigm from a slightly different context. It's one thing to say we collect data, but your data is only as good as the intelligence, right? So at the mm-hmm. end of the day, if you... If you really look at why IoT in the medical field is, has, has really skyrocketed in the last couple of years, it's primarily to do with the data wrangling part of the IoT, right? You, we've been getting streams and streams of data on blood pressure, streams and streams of data from everything from ultrasound to insulin pumps. Now, what if you can start corroborating the findings with the ecosystem of data set. What if you could say that, you know, you're running uphill and your blood pressure is going up. Now, that is symptomatic of a certain type of a disease as opposed to your blood pressure going up when, uh, when you're talking to somebody, 
right? So the mm-hmm. fact that now you have smartphones and different kinds of devices that capture the peripheral data, which can now be combined with the IoT data, uh, is a harbinger of com- a completely new suite of smart and intelligent applications that we never thought of in the past. So what gets me really excited about this whole um, this IoT in the medical arena is the fact that now for the first time in the history of the electronics and the, the medical collusion, we now have an opportunity to actually use data to model the laws of evolution. It's literally to say nature in its amazing uh, you know, design factory has figured out how to automatically fight blood pressure. You have the T cells in your, in your body being able to potentially resist you know, growth of cancer cells. Ironically enough, that's all mathematics, right? With the Internet of Things, you now have the parameters to model the Darwinian laws of evolution. So what gets me excited is not just, you know, your smart tattoo or the fact that your blood pressure has gone up and you get an email, but the fact that now we have the data points to actually unravel the very complex evolutionary physics that we have that have been so elusive for such a long time. Wow, I just got excited and very optimistic just listening to you speak. Love the energy, Krishna, and, and great observations. Paneet Supple, you can talk about what Manish introduced and or Krishna's comments. Very, very interesting uh, conversation here. Paneet, join us. Thank you, Bani. Uh, actually, the comments on both Manish and Krishna are spot on, and I think th- this is an uh, election year, so we are going mm-hmm. to hear a lot about the Affordable Care Act. And one of the things that people have criticized it for is that it is not very affordable in many ways. So costs are really, really very important and where they can be controlled. So I totally am, I can see the point that Manish was making that, you know, we have to have uh, the, the, you know, we have to deploy technology to target uh, treatment in a way that we, it can be done in the most efficient manner possible and be very accurate because that will bring costs down as well and raise uh, confidence. And, of course, the promise of science uh, is about um, helping, you know, solve the problems that have confounded us for centuries. And, uh, I, like I said, you have to believe. If you believe, you are going to uh, unravel those mysteries. And, um, and in this context, by pulling these things together, I think we are in a, in a better state than uh, we have been um, in, you know, in earlier times, now that we do have this hyper-connectivity. Thank you very much, Paneet. Appreciate that. And, you know, I think it's time before we circle back. Manish, I'm going to ask you to comment, but since somebody brought up the idea, and I mentioned in the opening, I didn't know what a smart tattoo is. I Googled it, and I just want to say I found out what it is. Uh, A smart tattoo is the latest trend to emerge in wearables. And at this year's CES, I'm not sure how current this article is. I'm on digitaltrends.com. Massachusetts-based company MC10 has unveiled two new products, the Biostamp Research Connect and the MyUV Patch, created in partnership with L'Oreal. That's an interesting topic. Uh, they're really a tattoo or a sticker that will truly move with you. Anybody want to comment on smart tattoos before we go back to Manish to complete this part of the conversation? Anybody have any information for me? Anybody wearing one? P- Panita, are you wearing a smart tattoo? Are you? Manish, any comments on smart tattoos or Krishna? No, or did I'm, uh... I- 
I am not wearing a smart tattoo and I am not wearing a tattoo also. <laughs> I'm with you, kid. I'm with you, kid. Anybody have any comments on smart tattoos or should we just leave that one alone? I, I, I quite don't understand that technology other than it seems like it's yet another probe that, that you're sticking to your body. So it all kind of goes back to what Mani said. We, we are going through this Moore's Law Syndrome where everything is getting crunched to, you know, microns, real, real estate worth of intelligence. So apparently, just like a, just like a smartwatch, it's just another way of measuring some, you know, bodily function and converting it into a digital form. So, yeah, I think two things it does from what I what I know. One is uh, it measures uh, skin hydration and temperature, and more importantly, um, you know, our uh, brain is a series of receives a series of electrical signals. Um, and uh, it's supposed to be able to uh, tap into those uh, brain signals and uh, see what's uh, going on between that part of the body and the brain. Uh, I'm going to add something to that. I just Googled it again. Smart tattoo generates electricity from sweat, which could power future wearable computers. What do you think of that? Uh, it's getting power. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Joseph Wang, a researcher from UCSD, has come up with a way to generate power for these devices without using external equipment. The secret is to harness electrons from the lactic acid secreted in sweat. The muscle burn we feel when exercising to exhaustion has been commonly associated with the buildup of lactic acid. I think we all know that. For a muscle, lactate is a waste product, a metabolic endpoint from which there is no escape. The brain, on the other hand, thrives on lactate. As far as the muscle is concerned, the brain is a metabolic trash man. Exercise physiologists have sought to measure lactate levels in the blood or muscle. When lactate was discovered to be released in sweat, a new sensor technology was born. What do you think about that? They actually, by embedding enzymes that process lactate into the tattoo, we're talking about smart tattoos, he was able to extract 70 microwatts per CM2 of skin. Is anybody uh, either disgusted or amazed by this? Or I, don't well, know. I, think, I think I'll stick to the Energizer battery for because, now. Um, you know, one of the points that, uh, you, know, I, you know, in some of the conversation we've had in prep for this call, we, we talked about how new, you know, sensor, uh, wearable sensors can collect data from sweat. So the fact that there is a lot of information in sweat is not, I think, a secret anymore, nor is anyone surprised. In fact, um, there are wearables that will check for hydration levels, that will check for, uh, you know, the different levels of, uh, I guess, uh, the different uh, soluble um, elements in your, um, you know, sweat. So, you know, they'll check for glucose, lactate, sodium, potassium, all of that, and then be able to, you know, provide some kind of uh, feedback to you or send you a signal that you need to go drink more water or drink your coconut water, which I think is a great electrolyte, or, you know, grab a piece of banana or something, you know, and then sort of, this is mostly for athletes and stuff like that. But, you know, the thing is, I can see how you can take sweat and break it down into its basic elements and if there is a way to harness that for energy, <laughs> hey, I am all for it. We need more energy in the, on this planet. I'll say that. 
Yes, we do. We have to see what the, what, pardon me, deodorant manufacturers have to say about this whole thing, too, because I'm just going to leave that one on the table with a thud. I'm so sorry. Manish, I want to give you a moment to wrap up this part of the conversation because I'm ready to segue to something we haven't covered at all with Krishna's comments. So, Manish, anything you want to wrap yeah, up on I this? Think, uh, um, I think both uh, Puneet and Krishna made very valuable points. Um, there is one more point I wanted to make, uh, and that is the fact that each individual is very different. There's a reason why each individual's fingerprint is different, the retina is different, and so on and so forth. And these devices are personal devices. They are tracking individual activity. Now, the implication of uh, this is very, very significant. The implication of this is goes into what I call uh, personalized medicine or personalized therapies. And um, as you know, today, the dosage and uh, medicine that is prescribed is an average of averages, while we know that mm-hmm. uh, each human being is very different. So um, this has very um, significant implications, especially if you marry it with the data that uh, Krishna talked about, of having the ability to really do customized therapies for each individual rather than uh, what I call the average of averages, which uh, any statistician will tell you uh, is not very meaningful. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, and let's move on. I'm going to look at some notes here from Krishna Kumar at App Orchid. Krishna, some very provocative things here. I'm just going to drop this one on the table. I don't want to go there because I have something else. You say uh, the cure for cancer will come from mathematics, not from medicine, and our body is the best pharmacologist. Let's just put that aside for a minute. I want to get to the privacy question because we're talking about data. Wearables, IoT, they're collecting data when something is transmitted from your body through a smart tattoo, a smart pill, a, a Fitbit, any kind of wearable device linked to healthcare, data is being collected. That's the bottom line here. That's why we're able to connect from one person to a healthcare provider and make decisions, hopefully better decisions. Question on the table, Krishna, is who owns the data and what happens to privacy of our data? So why don't we tackle that now, and then if we have time, we'll come back to the other ones. Krishna? So that is obviously the million-dollar question, right? Who owns the data? So it's not only an issue of who owns the data, but who ends up with the liability of incorrect use of the data, right? And the two kind of go hand in hand. So I don't think there is an answer to that. So my response will be really, really short there, and it's going to go along the lines of the ownership of the data is only as good as the, the, the quality of the output or lack thereof. So if... If it's blood pressure data, which has got, let's say, 80% noise in it, okay, we're talking about mm-hmm. uh, information that's only 20% accurate. Is that even worthy of um, a breach of privacy? Probably not, right? So we have to look at data ownership and privacy and liability in the larger context of the fidelity of the data, right? It's as simple as saying if your information is less than 50% accurate, you might as well flip the coin and use that as an outcome, 
right? So you have to have at least 50% accuracy of your information for it to be meaningful or at least be more meaningful than a flip of a coin. So there, there's this larger issue of how good is the data and then subsequent to that is, is the, the outcome of which is going to be, okay, how good is that data translated into something useful? And that continues to lead to the part of how much of this data should be shareable, what, how much of that data can be anonymized so it's useful for the broader community, mm-hmm. and the flow keeps going from there. Okay, thank you. Let's circle around to Panit Seppel at SAP. Panit, thoughts on what Krishna just provocatively put out for us? Well, I'll go back and focus on the first part of what he said, which is around the privacy and, <clears throat> excuse me, and this is probably the, excuse me, frogs. <clears throat> mm. Well, they're gone now. Um, <laughs> Bye-bye. So this is, if there's anything that will stop us dead in our tracks, it is this one issue, because it is sensitive data. We know HIPAA has some very stringent uh, rules. And uh, sharing as well as using this data can be a problem if we don't find a way to satisfy all the checks and balances that are in place for very mm-hmm. good reason. And this is something that we have to solve. And I think there has to be a balance between the, the need for ultimate privacy and the need for greater good. For example, if, we, if, there, is a number of peop- if there are a number of people with certain wearables on them, and we are transmitting data that is helping us analyze why they're, uh, you know, whether they're, let's say they, they had cancer and let's say it's got, you know, they have, there's remission now. And then we find that, you know, it has reappeared. Uh, if we are tracking these people and we are watching things in their body, in their physiology, and there are things that can tell us about why such a thing has happened, if, if that can be anonymized in some way and if people are okay with that, because there's a lot of sensitivity, even though we tell people that, you know, your data will be anonymized, it will be part of a big pool, nobody can identify you, it is still their data. And mm-hmm. if we can get past some of these things, we can perhaps harness uh, that information to get to better solutions, and even on an ongoing basis. So th- it, there has to be that balance, and I think what people will give up, we will have to all decide whether it is okay. And, you know, come to think of it, we are giving up a lot of privacy every single day. Um, You know, some of us who, you know, know this, living in this super electronic world, you know, at any given point in time, it is fairly easy to pinpoint where a person is and pretty much what they're doing. So it's not, you know, so we're getting to a point where we'll have to sort of accept this a little bit and move forward, I think. But as long as we are not going to be more flexible on this privacy issue, we are going to kill the promise of what the technology offers us. Thank you very much for thoughtful. And I want to circle back to Manish Tandon at Infosys. Manish, thoughts? Interesting topic. Yes. um, And uh, as Krishna mentioned, uh, he said it's a million-dollar question. I would say it's a billion-dollar question. and since this um, show is about the future of future, um, I would uh, I would say that like you have um, electronic health records for uh, clinical grade data about you, um, the next stage of evolution uh, will be what I call the personal health records, which is uh, really data which is not clinical grade, um, but uh, it's important data about you as an individual. 
and you will have uh, personal health vaults, and you will share this uh, this data um, selectively uh, with the people who can uh, provide value to you as an individual uh, with this data. The other point I wanted to make is uh, it's not just about the data. It's just about it's also about the connectivity that's needed to get this data. And I remember seeing. Um, uh, a TV show, I think, five years back, where uh, it shows uh, someone trying to kill another guy by hacking into uh, his or her pacemaker. Um, mm. So both these issues uh, are, are are important, and I I think that over the next five years uh, we will see the evolution of uh, what I call personal health records or personal health vaults. Wow, that's uh, scary to say the least and to say the most. That's very, very scary. Thank you. Krishna, any wrap-up comments on this topic before I move to something in Panit's notes, please? Um, I, all the points were very valid. Uh, and, of course, I didn't talk about the aspect of uh, cybersecurity and all of this. So with privacy comes the element of cybersecurity as well, right? So to, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, the, the TV series in question was Homeland, which I happened to see. And as entertaining as that was, I think we still ways away from somebody hacking into a pacemaker. But, of course, at a skim-down level, the, the aspect of security and compromising one's health records should be of paramount concern for everything from premium insurance to, uh, you know, um, risks of personal compromise of personal information in the whole world. So, yes, it's very, very relevant. Thank you. Uh, I think we, on one of our healthcare topics, and this topic does come up very often, and by the way, I think we have a part two here. If Brad Borkin doesn't invite you back for part two on Future of the Future, I think you're going to come on Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we'll continue the conversation. So I hope you're all amenable to that. Um, I'm looking at... Panit's notes here, and I'm looking at a novel approach to wearables that can save lives in places where needed most. Panit, I'm just going to drop a couple of terms here and let you explain this because I'd love to get this into the conversation before we move to our predictions. Oh, I think we've been doing a lot of predicting all along. You say, in a recent UNICEF's Wearables for Good Challenge, I didn't even know what that was. I hope you'll tell me. Kushi Baby, K-H-U-S-H-I, transforms the traditional Kala Daga, black thread worn by Indian children to protect them from the evil eye, the Nazar, into a digital storage unit for their medical records. Really, Panit, talk to us. This sounds exciting and novel is probably a a very small word compared to the big possibilities here. What's going on? Yes, because you see, um, this is, you know, my, I I love, when I came across this uh, piece, I, I just loved it because I happen to think that all these endeavors we talk about Everything that we talk about technology, whether it's in healthcare, life sciences, and even if it's we're talking about mundane things like supply chain, the end of the day, there has to be a human impact. I believe the, that you know it's a better world that we all aspire for, and we do not get there unless we go one person at a time, one step at a time. And uh, so there are some remarkable things that are going on in the world around us, and UNICEF sponsors this contest. To talk to see how you know uh, there, there can be more uh, usable solutions developed, you know, in the areas where they need they needed most. Nothing too terribly fancy, and yet something that works to uh, change people's lives. And and of course, many of the UN organizations do that. UNICEF, especially, was focused on children. 
Now, we do know that historically, uh, you know, infant mortality was a problem in, in countries like India, which is it's not so anymore, I think. But as you know, but, but there are still vast regions that are very rural, and not very um, sophisticated in terms of um, the, the healthcare facilities that might be available to the locals there. And it's all about making these children safe. And there's, a, and there's also obviously an accompanying literacy issue in some areas. So, what is, so I think somebody came up with this remarkable idea that why not uh, have each child have, they didn't want to implant anything in the kids, not that they want to probably experiment with tattoos, though that's mm-hmm. not thinking maybe the tattoo would work as well. But, but so there is a tradition in most parts of India where they put a black mark on, on your forehead or uh, you know, tie a black thread, which is supposed to ward off an evil eye. It's uh, just a social, it's just a custom that's persisted. And uh, so taking advantage of that, what they've done is they have been, um, so the, the idea is to uh, insert a small chip, which would be a digital storage unit and will be on the body of the child because it's tied to that black thread. Mm-hmm. And every time the child comes in for a checkup, right, the, 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 physician, uh, the, the medical expert there can read instantly by a quick scan using a smartphone, which everyone is carrying <laughs> these days. Uh, the up-to-date uh, status of this child's, uh, you know, all, all tests and, you know, shots and everything that needs to be known and would make recommendations. That syncs back with a, um, you know, obviously a data center some other place. And uh, then that data gets transmitted back as well, so it updates the records. The point being, in an asynchronous manner, this is kept uh, track of, it's a different kind of an approach to a wearable, where it is not really constantly monitoring and sending signals, but conceivably, you can imagine that that could also be done, especially if you now switch the, um, the, you know, the, the paradigm from it being a child to being a senior citizen, for example, right? And you may want to monitor their health on an ongoing basis. Something very similar could also work for them in such areas. So the promise is, is immense. And mm-hmm. uh, taking a local custom and uh, using that to uh, deploy technology which gets really into the grassroots level and can change the lives of one baby at a time, I think was just to me one of the most beautiful stories I've come across. It certainly is, and I'm glad you brought that up. And, uh, Penny, we're just about at the point where we're actually into our crystal ball predictions round, but one more thing is worthy of mentioning. If you could just briefly describe it, you told me in your notes before the show, the Quell device claims, and, and I hope they deliver, that they, it can help people with arthritis, back pain, diabetic neuropathy, fibromyalgia, and other conditions without drugs, how it sends electrical signals through the nerves to trigger the brain to release endorphins and other natural painkillers when there is pain. Uh, quickly, comments on that. Are you familiar with this, Panita, or is just something you read about? Isn't that pretty cool? I'm actually going to go find Very. out because I suffer from some back pain from time to time, and I'm going to no. actually investigate this to see if it's going to work for me or not. But isn't that cool? It, it, you know, and I think this taps into very ancient wisdom. Many of the Eastern philosophies have always said this, uh, that you, know, you heal from within. Your body has all that it needs to heal almost any situation. And uh, it's, when we use, uh, you know, drugs or medicines, I mean, 
<laughs> not the other kind of drugs. We are basically, you know, we, we are masking the many of those symptoms or we are, we are basically treating the symptoms many a time and not getting to the root of the problem. And when there is actually, when we do treat any other ailment which actually does cure us, we are really actually stimulating our body's immune system to rise to the occasion to uh, come forth and uh, fight back. In this case, we are able to, if we are able to do that merely by signals and not pump all kinds of chemicals into our body, I think it's absolutely spectacular. So personally, I am going to look into this. <laughs> okay. You know what I find out. <laughs> well, when we come back for part two, we want to report from you on the Quell device. And now it's time for me to quell all this enthusiasm, although I'm, res- I'm reluctant to do that. I'm going to give you each about 45 seconds for predictions. Let's start off with Manish Tandon at Infosys. Manish, we've been talking about the future here all along, but do you have anything to predict in 2020 or any other time about the future of wearables and IoT on any of the issues we've discussed? Manish, 45 seconds, yeah. predictions, fast, go. Bonnie, I already talked about uh, personal health records. Uh, My next prediction will be that as these devices uh, get more more integrated into the healthcare ecosystem, uh, we will see much more regulation. The FDA will uh, will step in and uh, start regulating some of these devices. And my third prediction is that uh, these devices will continue to proliferate uh, in several different form factors and in several different uh, shapes. Some of these will be ingested. Some of these will be worn. Uh, but uh, these things are here to stay and evolve and evolve rapidly. Thank you very much. And I have to predict that I'm going to say on live radio now your new title, which is Executive VP and Global Head of Healthcare Insurance Life Sciences and High Tech at Emphasis. That's a very big business card, Manish. Congratulations. And let's move on to Krishna Kumar, founder and CEO of App Orchid. Krishna, predictions. I can give you uh, same 45 seconds. Go. Do we lose Krishna? Krishna, time for predictions. Oh, mute, mute, the mute phone. IoT oh, my goodness. Okay, uh, go, okay, can you hear me okay? Ahead. Yeah, I can. Okay, go fast. ahead. 45 seconds. Fast. Uh, so my apologies. So uh, two predictions. Uh, the proliferation of um, healthcare-based IoT devices is a given. That's going to happen. The second prediction is that the personal health records that Manish was alluding to will get more clinical grade. Okay, and the third prediction, which I really hope is, you know, kind of picks steam pretty quickly, is alluding to what Puneet said, which is, you know, the, the body is the best pharmacologist that's out there. So if you have the data points that can trigger the, the, the immune system to fight deadly diseases off, right, and if you can get the data points through these IOTs to actually know what unravels what disease, I think we have some serious game-changing solutions to, to medical issues. Thank you very much. Glad to hear the word game changer sneak in there somewhere. I think that's what we're always talking about here. Panit Supple, SAP Healthcare, talk to me. Predictions? Uh, yeah, 45 seconds. Go ahead, Panit. Well, the predictions are, my predictions are not that revolutionary. I think I agree with everything Manish and Krishna has said. What I do predict is we will find many, many, many technology companies all over this thing because I think there is this belief, really there is, that we can make a difference now. So we will find solutions that are at an enterprise scale. We will find solutions that are consumer-grade. And we will find every one of us 
participating in this in in the time that you know we, that's coming you know basically in the time ahead and the other thing is that we will find that that this will change the way healthcare is done completely it will make things you know you you can conceivably think of um, you know getting implants that will self um, I shouldn't say propagate, but they will basically mm. um, they, they, they will they will themselves turn into your, uh, parts of your body. They will they will do all. There will be many advancements that will take this to the next frontier because the brain is the best computer around still, and the body is the best healer around still. We will now find a way to tap into both. Thank you, and I'm going to make a prediction that in the next Star Wars franchise film, wherever and whenever, Yoda is going to be wearing a smart tattoo. I rest my case. I just have a funny feeling. And the next time we get together, we're going to get a book report on the Quell device from Beneath Supple. Thank you so much, Manish Tandon at Infosys, Krishna Kumar at App Orchid, Beneath Supple at SAP. Wonderful conversation. Love the energy. Appreciate all of the preparation the three of you did before the show. Sent me wonderful notes. Very, very many thanks. Uh, shout out to Brad Borkin and Susan Walker. Brad is currently traveling. He's out of the UK right now, and he's somewhere here in the U.S. between New Jersey and Oregon visiting family and friends. So, Brad, thank you for putting together this wonderful panel. And shout out to Justin and the Business Channel team. It's time for us to say goodbye. I'll be back in one hour from now with the next edition of, let's see who we got today digital industries changing the game there you go so here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today bye-bye thanks again for tuning in to the future of the future with game changers presented by sap the best run businesses run sap to keep the conversation going Tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.